Telesold as time. <laughs> True as it can be. All right, I'm going to stop you there. Yeah. Barely yeah. even friends. <laughs> then somebody bends. Uh, Onyx. There, see everybody. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Guys, we, we have a podcast to record, so can we? <clears throat> Hello, and welcome to Jesuitical, a new podcast from the relatively young, marginally hip, and fabulously lay editors of America Media. That lay part means we aren't Jesuits, but we work with them. Join us each week for a smart Catholic take on faith, culture, and the news. I'm Ashley McKinless, and I'm joined by that bar- what are you, a tenor, baritone? I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> oh, yeah. Zach's like, I'm everything, but- <laughs> actually. Someone can tell me Zach that would be great. Yeah. Zach no, hi, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> And Olga Segura. Hi, guys. I will not be singing today, so <laughs> today. you're welcome. Today. <laughs> All right. How are you guys doing? Mm, Pretty good. So good. Guess what I saw last night? <laughs> What'd you see? Beauty and the All right. Yes. We all, well, actually, me and Zach saw Beauty and the Beast. Olga is a purist and refuses to see the remake. I but refuse. I'm sorry. Later in the show, we are going to be talking to... Alfie Pisano, who's a Jesuit and a devotee of all things Disney. And then we will see the results of our Twitter poll when we asked um, our followers what their favorite Disney movie was. Second favorite. Cause Second favorite. Because Lion King is clearly first. We'll address that later. <laughs> <laughs> and then, as always, Constellations and Desolations, where we talk about where we found God this week. But now, Signs of the Times, the part of our show where we sift through the Catholic news of the week, so you don't have to. What's our first story, Zach? So, Pope Francis has been named as the third greatest leader. Third? Third in the world. He was ranked behind Theo Epstein and Jack Ma. Jack Ma is in the middle of revolutionizing Chinese e-commerce community with Alibaba. Interesting. Yes. Epstein is the coach of the Cubs? He is the general manager of the Cubs. He destroyed my beloved Cleveland Indians. Does What does the general manager really d- do? He is responsible for personnel and... Money. Money. <laughs> right. Is that right? Wyatt? Right. I think so. <laughs> Baseball's weird. He's I've... in charge of, like, what? How many people are on a baseball team, Wyatt? 25. 25. Pope Francis is in charge of a billion people. I don't know if that metaphor is super apt, <laughs> but... God himself could not have saved the Chicago Cubs, and Theo Epstein did. (laughs) (laughs) On to more Pope Francis news. He was recently in Milan, where he addressed over one million Catholics on a variety of issues. And he spoke to the youth in Italy and kind of told them that there's this ugly phenomenon that is happening in education. And he was referring to bullying, and he sort of reminded them that they have to be very careful to not fall into these habits of insulting one another, sort of being doing all these horrible things that kind of make their way when you're young and you know in school or whatever um and he just encouraged them to kind of grow together and build community with one another because it'll help them in the long run you know he said holding a kid by his ankles and threatening to give him a swirly (laughs) pretty much yeah (laughs) um but yeah i mean for this alone he should have gotten number one but you know i'm anti-baseball so that's just i'm pro-bullying so (laughs) clearly here we are (laughs) No, you're not. You can't be. No, maybe I was bullied. And so I'm, you know, so you this is this is the cycle of bullying, the bully. <laughs> you want to unpack this? Nope, not, not really. Okay, okay. Never mind. Ashley, what's our next story? 
Our next story comes from the White House. Donald Trump uh, signed an executive order on Tuesday rolling back the Clean Power Act, which was the U.S.'s response to uh, climate change. Um, and the Paris Accords uh, is now going to be under immediate review. And the result of that is, in Trump's words, it's jobs, jobs, jobs. All of those coal-powered jobs are going to come back and make America great again. This raises an important question for me. He, at this news conference, asked them, like, oh, coal shut down and, you know, there's nothing else you could do because otherwise you'd have to. He, he, he posed them the question, do you want to move somewhere and get another job? Which, for me, raises the question of should people have to move where capital is in order to support themselves or should capital move where people are in order to support human flourishing? Simple question, dear listener. <laughs> Maybe there's a different way. <laughs> no, I... All right. Well, to give the capitalist response, um, which is also not pro coal power plant, but the reason coal plants are shutting down is not because of government regulations. It's natural gas and coal becoming more expensive to mine. So I, I think that his his promise of jobs is pretty empty. But either way, <laughs> I think Pope Francis had a couple things to say about climate change yeah, and he wrote a really 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 long letter about it <laughs> yes. also known as an encyclical <laughs> also known as laudato si <laughs> in which he you know for the first time ever he brought in um responding to climate change as a part of catholic social teaching it's not just it's not a political agenda it's not something we fight about um it's part of you're you're shaking your head. No, Is I'm the, just preparing to give oh. a pun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Our own Jim Martin, editor at large here at America, uh, came out with a video today for three reasons why climate change is a moral issue. Uh, and one of them is Pope Francis, Catholic social teaching, has all come out against this. And another one is that it really it affects the poorest first and most because they're least able to respond to climate change. They They don't have... The option of moving to where the capital is. <laughs> no, they don't. Laudato, see what I mean? <laughs> All right. Anyways. I refuse to laugh at that. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I laugh at everything and I'm just going <laughs> to. Working on that all day. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Today, we have Alfie Pisano SJ, who is a Jesuit scholastic studying philosophy at Fordham University in New York. Before joining the Jesuits, he taught at a Catholic elementary school, and according to his Jesuit bio, his work experience also includes a 14-year stint at Disneyland, where he piloted the monorail, sailed submarines, hawked souvenirs, and danced in the Christmas fantasy parade. He's in his second year of studies at Fordham University. Welcome, Alfie. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for letting me be your guest. <laughs> we are. Uh, I was going to get there first. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. So, Alfie, we're talking this week all things Beauty and the Beast and maybe Disney, too. But first, you have to tell me about this 14-year stint at Disneyland. Okay. So I worked at Disneyland um, right out of high school. I needed a job, you know. Most mm -hmm. parents want their kids to get jobs after high school, and I've always wanted to live at Disneyland. So what better <laughs> job than to work at the happiest place on earth? What was the best part of working there? The best part of working there is the free tickets. I mean, yeah. I can't yeah, beat that. That's uh, true. So that and the opportunity to visit almost all Disney theme parks in the world. So I have yet to go to Shanghai and, and Hong Kong. 
But um, but you've been to all the other ones. But I've been to all the other ones. Wow. Do you know people high up at Disney World? Because I or Disney in general? Because well, I have um, a couple of. Walt Disney used to say it was all started by a mouse. Okay. And all right. I'm really good friends with Mickey Mouse. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, I, oh, it, my God. It doesn't get any harder, harder than that. <laughs> all right. Well, tell them that it's kind of annoying that they split up Harry Potter World into two parks. That's just like an obvious money grab that I don't right. appreciate. Well, that, that's, that's uh, Universal <laughs> Studios, so okay. Mi- Mickey doesn't know anything yeah. about that. What you know? <laughs> uh, so what, what about Disney continues to attract families other than the you know millions of dollars spent on advertising right yeah i don't know i think i think there's something about disney like the extra disney magic we like to call it i, I still say we as if i still work there but but um yeah it's, so there's something magical about disney that connects people to their childhood and over a bunch of generations so i think that's that's the the big draw you know everybody's got some kind of personal connection to disney love yeah. it or hate it you know? right yeah well, the film that brought us here today was Beauty and the Beast. So what did you think of that remake? Beauty and the Beast, I think, was an excellent remake. Well, I think what was better about this one is that um, we saw a little bit more of the backstories, a more insight to Belle's character. Belle was supposed to be, in the original movie, she was supposed to be a free thinker, the person who was like into books, the one that didn't care about what people thought about her. She was supposed to be like a very progressive Disney princess. And and I think this movie took it to another level. You know, she um, now we know why she likes books. We know that she's an inventor now. So there's a lot of reasons why she doesn't fit into the town that that she sings about not fitting into, mm-hmm. and that just mm-hmm. makes more sense. So she's much stronger in that th- that respect. And then I think the other character, the Beast, we see that the Beast is a likable person, and it was kind of not his fault that he ended up the way he w- he did. He didn't have parents to help guide him and raise him to be a good person. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Sure, the Enchantress teaches him a strong lesson by turning him into a beast <laughs> and everybody who lived there. But um, but now we see why, and we see that he was willing to learn from that mistake. And there's like a real transformation there, not just like with his physical transformation, but uh, a real transformation. Would some say conversion? Conversion. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I want to actually like try and dive into some of these Christian themes and theological themes mm-hmm. that are embedded in this movie yeah, sure. i've got a couple what do you yeah. have any right off the bat something I, I wanted to talk about in my my tjp article was um the servants who um get transformed along with the beast and i always thought that was unfair like i always wondered why they got like what do they do <laughs> you know they did <laughs> yeah, nothing yeah. And they got they got transformed into these like household objects but in the new movie we we find out that it's because they didn't um guide the beast they did nothing to help him um, to be a better person, that they were also kind of cursed with the same thing. There's, it's almost right. like original sin, right? A there little bit, right? <laughs> like you're, you're like <laughs> they're yeah. all implicated. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Something that I found very powerful in this new movie was um, when the she tries to escape, right? And then the the wolves are chasing her, and um, the beast comes and kind of saves her. You know, kind of beats up the the wolves. She there's a moment where she can leave you know mm-hmm. and she and it looks like in freedom she stayed you know yeah and yeah. you can't really make a true choice right grounded in discernment right. if there's not any freedom right so what do you have to say about you know the film has also received some criticism you know we're talking about all of these christian themes but there are people out there who say that the film has sort of been appropriated and just kind of appropriates a sort of agenda that's very mm-hmm. against christian you mean the gay agenda olga is that what you're trying to <laughs> yes, say yes i was i was trying to dance <laughs> around <right>. that yeah. <laughs> And but no, yeah, so the Christian voices have said that by making LeFou openly gay, well, the 
director of the film started this by saying, like, kind of teasing it by saying this is going to be the first Disney movie with an exclusively gay. <laughs> I, I don't like what does that Which mean? Is yeah. like, also, yeah, there's just, no way that's true. No, yeah. of course not. Right. No, of course not. Yeah, so the Christians were mad, but I there was also. Um, and when we say the Christians, the we Christians. have to. <laughs> right. We as Christians were not upset. So <laughs> certain, certain Christian voices. Um, we're mad. Uh, but there, I also read criticism from the LGBT community that were like, you know, this is a terrible stereotype of what a gay, like, he is, yeah, he's a buffoon. He's the manservant. He's, um, yeah. a fool. He can't and, read. And the crossdresser you know, can't read. Right. And, yeah. yeah. And it's just like, he's just like very flamboyant. And it's like, okay, that, that means he's gay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but the gay moment is literally just like one to three seconds of right, I was, and dancing um, with another man. And and, and um and when when the camera pulls out to the bigger scene where there's like, like a bunch of uh, couples dancing, they're not there anymore. So yeah. so they were just literally there for a sp- split second. So the perspective of people who are critical of the movie for um pushing the a gay agenda. Uh one example is Tom Gilson writing at the stream. He said, let's not kid ourselves. The reason you put a lighthearted, perhaps even obvious gay attraction theme in Beauty and the Beast is to soften the ground so a Disney princess or heroine can be gay. Gasp. (laughs) Okay. All right. But so from this perspective, (laughs) and and this is not wrong that I or I would agree that pop culture in general has played a pretty significant role in, uh, you know, advancing the gay rights movement. Like I watched Will and Grace, and so I learned early on that I do not need to be afraid of homosexuality. Um, and now, if Disney includes a, uh, if it does have a gay princess or gay prince, um, that will be a part of people's formative upbringing. Mm-hmm. So that, also- I think that's why I think that's why people um, get very up in arms about this. Not saying I agree with it because they're so aware of the kids and the future generations that are watching it. Yeah, maybe maybe the kids won't notice there's gay people in the world unless their dads and moms are like, you can't see this because there's gays in it. Unless they have two dads and two moms. (laughs) (laughs) So I would say, like, we need we should look to leaders in the church, like Pope Francis, who has famously said, when it comes to if if he saw a gay priest, he would say, who am I to judge? Um, and, you know, he met when he was in the U.S., he met with a good friend of his from Argentina with his gay partner. Mm-hmm. Um, so he is clearly not trying to put gay people back in the closet. And I don't think pop culture needs to either. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just reaching out to the people, being meeting them where they're at mm-hmm. and welcoming them in. How else are they going to accept the love that God gives us? Yeah, unless right. we're being welcoming. Right. I was thinking about this and like, I'm probably more formed by Disney than the church. Like if I think about mm-hmm. my CCD, Preach, uh, yeah, right. CCD hours <laughs> versus my Let's Disney see. hours, there's no contest. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, is that I a, think so too, yeah. Do you think that's a bad thing? I don't. I, you know, well, I think I turned out okay. <laughs> right. Because, well, and I think it's not necessarily an exclusive, a mutually exclusive thing where like you're either formed by the church and the gospels or you're formed by Disney. Because I think the gospels are so permeated in our culture that these stories of like resurrection, right? Right, yeah. Lion King right there. Yeah, res- the Lion Baptism, King. resurrection, I mean, you know, yeah, all these I things. mean, like all these things are... I can do a retreat on every single Disney movie, I bet. Oh, oh my gosh. You would <laughs> That's my do it. You need, to package <laughs> that. you need to package that and sell that in a bottle and to yeah. youth ministers. 
We right. could be your first three. Like, we <laughs> volunteered already. Listeners, if you've ever been on a youth ministry retreat or given a youth ministry retreat based on a Disney movie, please write us and tell us about it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever given up Disney for Lent? Uh, I could Ooh. never. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's like a, we... a disordered attachment right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sounds and, like uh, an inordered attachment. <laughs> but, um, but but it's it, it's it's helped my life so much. <laughs> Nobody's buying it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that'd be like giving up Jesus. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alfie. So we like to end our interviews by asking our guests if they could canonize one person, living or dead, Catholic or not, animated, animated, or <laughs> it could literally be also from. Oh my gosh, you guys got to know me so well. In this <laughs> Do you see your marble? Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. So who who would you make us? Um, it would be Timothy the Mouse from Dumbo, and it's because he had such an influence on Dumbo. He's the one that like gave him the the courage to fly without the feather. You know, oh. so he was kind of like the the guardian angel, you know. Right. So I feel like he's kind of like the guy I would canonize a saint. Mm-hmm. Or mouse, the mouse, aside from Mickey, but <laughs> don't let Mickey hear. But <laughs> All right. Alfie, thanks so much for coming on the show. All right. Thanks, thanks for having Alfie. me. Okay, bye, guys. <laughs> bye. bye. All right, time for some listener mail. Um, and I'm going to start out with a – I have to do a shout-out and a correction. Um, so my sister is a Catholic school teacher, and one of her fourth-grade students is now in eighth grade and just got confirmed. And his name is Jack. And according to Jackie, he was sent from heaven, and he just got confirmed. And he's a Jesuitical fan. So, Jack, thank you so much for listening. Yeah. And – Thanks, Jack. Shout out to you. <laughs> and then I have to I have to issue a correction. I think this is our first correction. But two episodes ago, I had my consolation being it was I went to the movies with my brother and my sister with the two refugee children that my family took in. And I was wrong. I went with my brother, my sister, and my brother-in-law, Justin McKee. And he listened and <laughs> noticed that I had left him out. And I'm just not in the habit of of having another brother. I have two brothers, or I had two brothers. Now I have three brothers. Mm. One of them is Justin, and I love him very much. Oh, So had to throw that in there. Okay. Now now some tweets. We asked, we asked our Twitter followers what their second favorite Disney movie was after Lion King. Yeah, I don't know why we started with that. Uh, <laughs> Wait, so are you saying you don't think Lion King is the best movie? I don't know what the... Ah, gosh, this is tough. But I would not be so bold to suggest that Lion King is definitely the best one. So you're bold enough to suggest that it's not? <laughs> I'm pretty agnostic towards whether Lion King is the best one or not. So you clearly have no soul. Oh, okay. Just anyway. kidding, he does. Thanks. Anyway. <laughs> did Did people disagree? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, some people thought we were totally wrong. Some people said, like, totally off base, hashtag Aladdin. Well. I mean, Aladdin is good, too. And St. John Chrysostom Parish in Pennsylvania said that even though they're totally wrong about Lion King, we love this podcast. (laughs) Oh, thanks. (laughs) Thank you. Alfie tweeted at us and he said he couldn't pick just one, so he uh, picked Dumbo and Frozen. Okay. See, I I took the same approach. I did a pre-Lion King and post-Lion King. Pre-Lion King was Aladdin. Post-Lion King was Mulan. Ah, in another important distinction that was made by Carter was including Pixar inside out, non-Pixar Moana. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So that's 
an essential distinction to that make, is. I believe. Yeah. Also, like the live action versus animated, because apparently someone said Mary Poppins, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, Desiree was the one who said that Mary Poppins was her favorite for the strong female lead. But she also said that my dad cried when Mufasa died. This is a hardened Mexican immigrant man <laughs> who has seen some crazy stuff. <laughs> I mean, that, who, that, uh, that's like the first time I think a lot of kids see death. Also, one of the first times they see their parents cry, maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, oh, man. I, I don't even want to talk about this. I'm tearing up. <laughs> uh, Vivian said all of them, which to me seems kind of like if you pick all of them, you pick none of them. Vivian. But you've assured me that no, you are. No, Vivian, you're right. They're all great. Okay, all right. <laughs> so thanks for writing in your tweets to us and responding to our Twitter poll. As always, we're looking for listener mail. So please write us an email, jesuitical at americamedia.org. And this week, I would like to put out a special challenge to our listeners to tell someone about this podcast. And I have this theory that millennials look at emails, right? If I get an email from a friend, I'm like, dang, I need to look at this right now. I'll ignore a Facebook message. I'll ignore a text message. I'll ignore any number of mediums. But if I get an email, I'm like, this is weird. Why did they send this to me? Right? Right? <laughs> this must be urgent. Right. So if you, you should email your friend right now, if you're listening on your iPhone, or your write mom. it out, or your mom, and link them to this podcast. And if you cc jesuitical at americamedia.org, we will jump in and Tell Susan or Bobby or whoever it is that, yes, get on it. Listen to us. Yes. So write your friends. CC us. Mm -hmm. If you CC us, we will talk about how wonderful you are and support you and your decision to listen to us and recommend us. (laughs) But mostly talk about what an awesome person you are. So, So, yeah. Promote us. And we'll promote you. All right, and now it's time for Consolations and Desolations, the part of our show where we talk about where we found God this week and where it was a little bit harder to find him or her this week. (laughs) Zach, what do we have? I'm going to start with a desolation because I had a friend in town this week and something came up and he mentioned, oh, I really miss praise and worship music. And I said, I want to miss praise and worship music, but I feel like I shouldn't because I kind of just like lump that in with like quote unquote Christian art. And that usually is a term used to signify like bad quality, right? So like movies that are not necessarily great. Um, some movies that have come out recently. Um, and he said, no, 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 there's a difference. And, you know, praise and worship music is made for prayer. And you had this experience as a teenager that you shouldn't feel ashamed of. I think as adults, a lot of the times we look on the experiences we had when we were younger as teenagers as like immature. And I think that just sort of dumps on our whole experience of God of meeting us where we were at that time. As someone who um, played soccer and didn't do praise and worship music in high school, <laughs> what, I, what is that even, what was that? What was so for the... me, like a huge part of my coming to God was just like sitting, singing songs and just like, feeling a lot, right? Like sitting in front of the Eucharist in adoration and someone's playing praise and worship music that I'm singing to and sort of just like emo- super emotionally connecting to God. And I think as adults, we don't do that ever. There's not no, a space where never. we can just like be recklessly vulnerable in, with God in a room full of people who are also trying to do that. And so um, I really miss that. I feel like I don't have that right now in my life and I haven't for a little while. And so that was my desolation. Okay. 
right. What about you, Olga? Well, this week I've got a consolation that's kind of a little bit linked to what Zach just mentioned. Um, so I'm realizing as I'm, you know, we're undertaking this podcast and like we're all really busy with work um, that I'm a much more anxious human being than I thought I was. One of the things that that's bringing to the forefront a bit is this disconnect that I have with prayer that I've mentioned in the past. And I'm kind of working through that. And I've noticed that the sun being out longer is making it easier for me to want to pray and want to connect Mm -hmm. with my family and my friends, you know, because even if I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, I'm don't want to go to work. Like I'm really overwhelmed. I'm still kind of like, well, it's beautiful. You know, like there's beauty in God in the sun, you know, as cheesy as that might sound. Um, So that's my consolation for this week. Winter is fading away. And yeah, winter is no longer Spring here. Is coming. Nice. All Ashley, right. what we got this week? Um, so my very good friends, Tatiana and Nick, are getting married this summer. Um, and I'm going to be a bridesmaid. And I'm just, I've been so consoled by the way they are going about planning their wedding. Like weddings have rightly gotten a bad rap for just becoming like these big money suckers. And it's just like a status symbol, like having their great dress and the venue and whatever. And they are just planning their wedding in the most like inclusive and participatory way. So like her, uh, Nick's dad is growing flowers for the wedding and that's how they're going to have flowers. And another friend is brewing beer and they're catering it themselves. Um, so this weekend I went up to, with them to Concord, New Hampshire to just visit the venue site to plan things and make sure they could accommodate all of this do it yourself wedding <laughs> <laughs> stuff. Um, and I'm just, I just, I love that they're making even before the, you know, for Christians, like marriage is a communal event. It's, it happens in a church because like, the community is invested. So neither of them is Catholic, but as a Catholic, I feel like I've learned a lot from just watching them do this in a very intentional way um, that brings in a community. Uh, and just I feel like that's a good a good start to any marriage. Yeah, really that sounds like. beautiful. It sounds like they're getting back to the roots of what marriage is all about. Mm-hmm. You know, marriage is a... Tale as old as time. <laughs> oh, Lord. I thought we'd make it to the end without you singing True again. it can be. Oh, God. Okay, Ashley, take us out before he uh, starts singing again. Jesuitical is brought to you by America Media and produced by Wyatt Massey. Our editor is Noah Levinson. Jesuit formation provided by Eric Sundrup, SJ. Adult supervision provided by Carrie Weber. Our logo is by Sean Tripoli. You can follow us on Twitter at Jesuitical Show. And please, please, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a rating and review. Maybe even unsubscribe and subscribe again. Yes, please. (laughs) Just bump up those numbers. Please. We need it. (laughs) And finally, send us your questions, feedback, cocktail recipes, regular recipes. um, And tell us where you found God this week at Jesuitical at americamedia.org. Thank you for listening. um, And we'll see you next Friday. Bye.